Good morning, Dr. Alejandro Badia here for another bi-weekly episode of the podcast, Fixing Healthcare from the Trenches. And we definitely have somebody in the trenches. A lot of discussion in my book in chapter three uh, during a surgical residency. And Dr. Uh, Asad Ali is a is a good friend. We met as uh, when he was a medical student at Nova Southeastern uh, 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 School of Osteopathic Medicine. And he's now in um, in a general surgery internship, probably wanting to pursue uh, potentially uh, a spine or you, you have a number of different interests. So we'll, we'll yeah. see what, what you do. But um, the, the way we met is very, very uh, important. And the reason I asked him to be on the show and give his perspective, um, he, he was a founder of, of um, a group called Entrepreneurs in Healthcare, which was a, a group of um, students at NOVA who realized that you, you've got to have some business savvy. You've got to have an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, otherwise, the the current uh, healthcare system will really really swallow you up. Um, and it's um, it, it's obvious after all the years of education now training that Dr. Ali's going through that you know you, you you know one deserves to do well and deserves to have independence in decision making. So, welcome to the show, Asad. Absolutely. Really happy to be here. I just a uh, quick shout out to Dr. Badia. He's been a really good mentor for me. I'm very lucky. And anyone who's watching this and is a medical student, I think it's very important to find a good mentor so yeah. that you can frame the, the next steps of your own career accordingly. Well, and you had a leadership role as well because you were student government president. So, you know, certainly we have, we're expecting big things from you in the future because we yeah. need, uh, colleague of mine said once that, you know, we're the 10%, uh, you know, 90% of physicians are, 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 you know, fortunately very good clinicians and very dedicated. But um, unfortunately, today's times require a bit more than that. And um, there is that sort of 10% of people who, you know, take their head out of the sand and realize that we need some changes. So, um, so what do you, what do you think some of those changes could be? Yeah. Um, now you mentioned, obviously, I just started my training. So a lot of yeah. my kind of real patient interaction is is limited obviously compared to someone like you who's had you know multiple years in such an illustrious career for me i think it starts with education uh not necessarily for the resident or student right away but also the patient i think healthcare is a continuum and there needs to be interaction with the healthcare system and patients should really see that healthcare and preventative healthcare specifically uh, is something that they should be thinking about daily. Healthcare isn't necessarily, oh, I'm sick, let me go to the doctor. It's every day, how can I improve my well-being or continue my well-being so I can avoid going to the doctor or avoid getting chronically ill. So I it's think sort of um, the uh, yeah. healthcare versus versus sick care concept, yeah. which a lot of people are yeah. bringing forward. We had uh, uh, Dr. Zeev Newworth. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, he was on the show recently and, you know, he's written two books about this and yes, I uh, agree. Um, what are you seeing as, uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure if people understand uh, what being an intern in general surgery <laughs> is like. Um, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I compared it to sort of the Navy SEALs training. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember one person got very upset about that. And ironically, I think it was a physician. So it kind of underscores my chapter four, where we just, we don't support each other enough. You know, uh, I, I got a very nasty review of my book for that, for that comparison. 
but, you know, I think it's a very valid comparison. And I know things have changed a bit. It's a little more humane now than when I went through it at, at, at Bellevue Hospital and NYU. But uh, it's still a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. I think comparing the hierarchy of a surgical internship, nonetheless, a whole residency, is quite accurate. I think within surgery specifically, and for me, learning how to work within the system is extremely crucial to your success. Um, you know, there's interns, there's mid-level residents, chief residents, fellows, attendings. And at the end of the day, no matter what you are as a resident, a physician, a non-physician, your ability to work within the system, soft skills with people, those are extremely important. So understanding the system you're in in particular is extremely valuable to your success. So I would say that that comparison is pretty accurate. Well, and it, it, it continues, right? We all have to work within the system. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate. I'm in this cocoon here, here in Doral near, near uh, Miami International Airport. And, um, you know, I haven't been to a hospital in about 12 years at all. But that's not the majority of physicians, right? And you, you do have to work uh, within the system. And, and, and certainly internship and residency is great training for that. Um, so let's get right to it. What would be your, let's just say, your top three initiatives? to really try to impact healthcare delivery in the U.S.? I think going back to the theme of education as a whole, um, you know, you have patients, providers, and then you kind of have this overview of the entire healthcare system. But starting with us as physicians and then medical students, you have to understand the system and and the whole entire you know, entity that healthcare is. And in medical education, at least in medical school, that explanation is lacking, right. um, especially, you know, when it comes to, you know, how to, you know, how does healthcare work behind the scenes? It's not just about learning about disease processes and, and curing them and medications and all these things. It's, it's also a matter of, okay, how do these things actually get done? It's not just, you know, oh, I think this person has diabetes because their sugar is high. Let's treat them. It's, okay, we have to get them their insulin. We have to make sure they're eating the right diet. How, who's going to do all of that? Um, and it's, again, a chronic thing. It's a long-term process. Um, that brings so I, us to the, uh, what's, what's the, the, the abbreviation SDOH, Social Determinants of Health. We yeah. do not pay enough attention to uh, contextual health care, meaning, as you said, that diabetic person, you know, do they live alone? Uh, do they live with people who, who have uh, the, the basic education in terms of how to help them and to spot and to look for trouble? So uh, absolutely, there's, we, we have to look at a, a more global uh, analysis of, of healthcare in order to save money. So that's number one. What would be your second initiative? Um, I think preventative care uh, is an emphasis that I think in the past decade or so has been growing, um, especially from, I'm going to call the patient the consumer of healthcare. I think there's been a lot more education, a lot more resources available to people to look at healthcare on this more of a continuum basis, because, you know, if we're able to stave off chronic disease, and I'll just use the example of, you know, osteoarthritis, something maybe a little bit more familiar for you, uh, you know. Yeah, Yeah, uh, but I'm at the end of the food chain, and and the problem is, yes, you need to be involved earlier. Right, yeah, Yeah. and, you know, doing things to kind of... (laughs) prevent that from getting to a problem where you're getting the knee replacement, uh, you know, when you're 60, 65, you know, years old and, 
and you know then there's complications you gotta yeah you know and uh you gotta go to physical therapy you gotta keep up with it and then you know otherwise you get problems with that and then your bill goes up and when your bill goes up the entire bill goes up uh of healthcare. so you know the the education of preventative care and emphasis on preventative care within the patient population i think yeah number three number three is access ah for me which is uh, getting harder and harder uh, i was very public about opting out of medicare after 28 years uh, i couldn't justify any more continued cuts every year in an inflationary environment and my costs don't go up and so that's going to affect access isn't it because i'm not the only one i mean you know you know we tell the public gets a little bit incensed about this but i i, I ask people and i'm very upfront with my patients and friends I said, do you know a single profession where every single year, year on year, you're actually um, being asked to take a pay cut? I mean, is there a pay cut in almost any profession? <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. it's really absurd. And uh, the reality is that the society is lucky that there's people like yourself, right, out there, you know, spending hours training. I mean, what, you know, I, I think residency now, you guys kind of make enough to eat on now. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know what your salary is, but I remember my intern year was $25,000 yeah. in Manhattan. Yeah, in Midtown not Manhattan. possible. Right. Below the poverty uh, line. Yeah, so so all these things are going to affect access. Um, right. That's a great, what, how, what else would you like to expand on in, in terms of that? Um, I think kind of to sum up my overview of, of what we've been talking about is that change begets change and there needs to be a discussion with you know the powers that be in healthcare now with folks in my generation of up and coming healthcare providers who do have a little bit more of to say about how things are run not necessarily what things are you know being done in terms of acute care i think once we're able to bring some of this change that's happening that we see on social media that we're seeing in, in themes yep. within the public once we're able to make those actionable and put some some you know guidelines in place for making healthcare a continuum people preventing their chronic disease onset or at least staving it off until later um, these are things that i think are large principles but should be become foundational to you know, we could call it healthcare 2.0, you know. Um, so you, you made a point about um, speaking to sort of the uh, the powers to be, well, I'm not sure how you phrased it, but it was, there, there, there's a nebulous kind of overarching control. And um, again, I talk about this in uh, the, the longest chapter in my book is, um, is chapter nine on, on, um, on insurance. And the reality is that there's a purposeful veil with that industry and with us, the people who are actually providing it. I mean, think about it. The, 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 that, the, that has to change. That has to change. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot immediately to my three. So one thing is speaking of insurance, and we're seeing a groundswell now in this. I believe that we should have oversight, not authorization. Authorization is a, a, a hurdle every step of the way when you're trying to take care of a patient. Now, of course, there are people who are overutilizers or people maybe who aren't doing the right thing. And so, you know, we need to have oversight always. Uh, second one is, uh, and, you know, this is kind of my ortho now principle, right specialists at the right time. A lot of times our healthcare system forces people to go to their kind of overworked primary care doctor would say knee pain. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not sure a primary care physician is the best person to to address. They can do that initial evaluation, but it it should kind of end there because the if you get the specialist at the right time, that actually saves money. Um, and the last one is is in line with what you said is public education, and that's that's why we're here. That's why we're on this podcast every two weeks. The big challenge for us is getting people to watch us. You know, yeah. it's not as I I I I I jostle people, but you know, it's not as entertaining as a, a cute a video of a kitten. But guess what? <laughs> this 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 affects us. I mean, healthcare is something that we all eventually will need, our loved ones need, but it's also twenty percent of our economy. So you know, when are people going to really take interest in this? So I'm hoping that this and and uh, you know many other podcasts that are out there on healthcare. Uh, this one's supposed to be only about 15, 20 minutes. We know people are busy. Yeah. And uh, the the whole idea is to get these ideas out there, including your three, which was uh, uh, education, prevention, and access. So I think those are terrific, Assad. And I'm going to uh, give you any parting words. Um, happy to be here um, at the end of the day. I think, um, you know, being in conversations with people like Dr. Batia. Uh, and his colleagues who share similar mindsets is inspiring to us as budding um, professionals and providers. And hopefully folks who listen to this can spread this awareness and kind of inspire others to think a little bit outside of the box when it comes to healthcare. Yeah, that's what we need. Well, I want to take a moment to just thank you for your service. I often say it to my patients who are first responders, and but really people should be thanking uh, you know, interns in particular, you guys don't sleep. It's unbelievable what you do. And, uh, you know, I remember those days. So, so thank you for that service because you are, are the future, uh, you know, healthcare, you know, provider, um, in the future. So thank you very much until uh, two weeks from now. Thank you everyone from the trenches.